Good morning. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about the subject of holiness. And holiness is probably one of the most misunderstood topics in the church. And I think it's a fascinating topic, and um, I understand that it's not a real popular one. It's not popular in the world, and it's not popular in the church. But it is a topic on the heart of God. And so I want to take you on a very unique journey towards holiness. And I want you to see and to hear and to understand what the Father wants you to know today about it. And so let's start with a, a verse that's found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 14. And this is what it says. Pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And I want you to know something, that word pursue, that means to chase after with every intent to apprehend. So you're going to get it. You're going to grab it. You're going to actually apprehend it. And so the heart of the Father is that we should be holy as he is holy. And he's, he's really longing this morning so much for you to have an upgrade in your relationship with him. And my prayer for you this morning is that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened and that your heart would really be fully engaged with his heart. And so uh, are you ready for this story? <laughs> it begins... Our story begins in the book of Judges, of all places. It's actually the very last verse in the very last chapter of Judges. And it says this, In those days, there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Does that sound familiar to you at all? (laughs) Can you personally relate to the words of this last verse? Actually, can you see how America relates to this last verse? It's actually a verse that speaks to the very heart of us as a people. Even in the church today, we like to do our own thing. And we like things the way we like them and when we like them. So you have to understand the setting of the land to be able to actually understand the depth of the story I want to share this morning. And God really spoke to my heart, and he says this. He says that there is a shift coming. There's a shift coming. And it's a change in the culture that will astound you, and it starts with holiness. And so I asked you are, you, are you really this morning hungry and ready for what God wants to do in your life? See, we can say, oh, yeah, work in their life. But are you ready for what God wants to do in your life? Because most importantly, it is about you. I love in 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, it says this. But as he who called you is holy... Did you sing that this morning? Holy is the Lord. 
as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. So I, want, I just want to prepare you for this. This message is not about a truckload of rules that I'm going to lay on you this morning. That's not what this message is about. Because that's what most people think holiness is. They think holiness is following a set of rules. And that is not what is on Papa's heart this morning. His heart is full of wanting you to be in connection with the heart of the Father. So let's, I I truly believe that you're going to go, this is a story about holiness? But you're going to get it. If you hang on and you stay with me, I trust that you will be spoken to you as the Lord has spoken to me. So it starts in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And the verses are going to come and go. I'm not reading them all. I'm kind of telling the story and reading it. So uh, Cadence is going to do his best job in following me. So in the first verse, it, it just tells us about this family. And they're from Ephraim. And the the dad's name is Elkanah. And it tells you who he's the son of and all of that. And then it goes on to the next verse, and it says that he had two wives. Trouble. Great trouble. And the name of one was Hannah, and the other was Penana. And Penana had children, but Hannah had no children. Trouble. Lots of trouble. And so every year, this man would take his two wives and his children, and they would go to the place of worship, the only place where there was a sanctuary of the Lord, and that was in the place of Shiloh. That's where they would all go to worship. And it was about a 14-mile journey for him to make this trip, and he, he made the trip three times a year, but he took his wives at least one of those times. And it's interesting in this verse 3, it tells us that they went and they worshiped the Lord of hosts. And I want you to know something. That's the first place where the Lord of hosts is used in the scripture. And so it's, um, it's that idea of the Lord over all the angelic realm. You know, his army of, of his army. <laughs> and... Um, this, this Shiloh was about 20 miles north of Jerusalem. Kind of gives you a, a reference point of, of what we're talking about. And then the verse tells us that the priest there had two sons. And Eli was the priest. And he had a son, Hophni and Phinehas. And they were the priests of the Lord. And so then, the, then the, it takes you into the actual place. They've gone to Shiloh to worship. And they go to make an offering. And when he was done giving the offering, what he got back, he would divide up and he would give a portion to his first wife and, their ch- and his children. And then he would give a, uh, a different kind of offering or a double portion to his wife, Hannah. And that is that it was like this worthy portion, kind of like a larger choice. It was like one you would give to a distinguished guest. And I think he was, he knew the heart of Hannah and he knew how sad she was and grieved she was that she did not have children. And so 
he would try to help her out by giving her this double portion. And it says that he loved Hannah, even though the Lord had closed her womb. And then comes the trouble. In verse 6, it says that Hannah's rival, which was his other wife, she would provoke her severely. I I don't know why she found pleasure in this, but she did. And, and she made her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. Hannah had no children. And so she would make fun of her, and she enjoyed doing this. And you have to understand that in this story comes a passage of time. This isn't they went to Shiloh, and this happened. This is they went to Shiloh, and the next year they went to Shiloh, and the next year they went to Shiloh, and the next year they went to Shiloh. And this is happening. And every time they go there, Penina would go after Hannah. And she would ridicule her and make fun of her. And she just found, and it doesn't tell us what she said. And it doesn't tell us why she found such pleasure in that. My thought is that possibly her husband showed more love towards Hannah. And so it was payback time. I don't know. Anyway. And so... This happened year by year, it says. And she was provoked. And it says in verse 7 that she would cry and she would not eat. And and the husband trying to comfort her and say, why are you crying, Hannah? You have me. Aren't I better than seven sons? Trying to make it up. And and so you have this, this happening in this. Or ten sons, I guess it says. So we see this character, Hannah, is dealing with a problem in which it doesn't seem like there's any solution. Any of you have any problems that it doesn't seem like there's any solution? This isn't one that just happened once and it's over. This has been ongoing, like I said, year after year. And um, she's looking for some kind of hope. Just like we all do. Do you ever where you prayed over something and prayed over something and prayed over it and you have not seen a change? And you're like, I know God hears. And I know that God answers when I pray. But I'm not seeing the change. I'm not seeing the answer. And this was Hannah. You got to know how many times she cried out to God. And you got to know how much her husband prayed over her. And nothing changed year after year. And so um, we're not told about her day life to uh, her day to day life. But I'm thinking that Hannah had a very challenging life in society and in her home. L- lots of abuse from um, Penina, who probably had her own sets of hurts and wounds. And Hannah was well-loved, and that wasn't the problem. The problem was that she didn't have a child. And she longed for a child, and she prayed for a child year after year. And we don't even know how long this has been going on. And I I want you to look at verse 9. Because it seemed like there was no hope, and nothing was ever going to change. And in verse 9, it says, once after the meal at Shiloh, 
Hannah got up and she went to pray. And Eli the priest was sitting in his customary place before the entrance of the tabernacle. And if you want to know how she prayed, my guess is that with much tears, there was no sound. Her lips were moving, but there was no sound. But she had such deep anguish that I believe that her whole body was maybe moving in in racking with the agony of what she was experiencing. But something happened this year to Hannah. And it came when she came to Shiloh for worship. Something happened that had never happened before. You see, she came to the Lord with the same request she'd had all along. But this time, she laid everything down. She had had it. She had reached the end of her rope, and she came before the Lord, and she laid before him, and she she cried out to him, and she told him, this is what I long for. She said, she, she said I, I give you my desire to have children. I give it to you all. She, she poured out. It says she poured her heart out to the Lord. She gave him everything that was there. And I believe she came to this place where she said, it's not my will, but your will, Lord. I don't want what, what I want. I want what you want. But I'm telling you this. If you give me a child, if you would grant me a male child, I will give him back to you. And no razor shall come upon his head. She began to pour this out to the Lord. And um, she made a vow. Now, for a woman who for years have been asking for a child to make a vow to the Lord and say, if you will do this for me, I will give him back to you. Do you understand what that might have taken? That would have been a very difficult moment. And in this moment that Hannah had, it gives us a key, an important key to our holy pursuit. And I want you to know something I studied a lot for this message. I actually wrote three messages. I heard lots of opinions. And I'm telling you, this is what was on Father God's heart. Holiness is surrender fully in every aspect. That's what holiness is. Holiness is surrender fully in every aspect, fully to him until we begin to think as he thinks and to will as he wills. And this is the key to holiness. And in a holy moment, in that moment before the Lord, something happened in her life. And Hannah made this vow. I already read it to you. So he had this encounter with the living God in that moment that of absolute surrender to him. And something incredible happened. And with results that shifted and changed an entire nation. You have to picture this. You have to understand something. That this woman's wanting a child. But in this holy moment in the tabernacle of the Lord... When she comes before him and she lays everything down and she has full surrender and she says, I want what you want. 
I, I, I want to think what, how you think. I want to do what you do. She laid everything before him. And she said, and if you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. And holiness occurs. And God moves in an incredible way. And I want you to know something. If we're not careful, we can miss it. God wanting to come into our lives in these moments of holiness where he meets with us and there's this change, this significant change that happens in our life. We can miss it because it seems ordinary and common. She's at the altar. There's no music. There's no one else around except for the priest. And he has no idea that the living God in that moment had come down and met with her. And he missed it. And we can come to church on a Sunday morning and the power of the living God can come and manifest itself in the midst of us. And we can miss it if we're not careful because it seems ordinary. And God is wanting you to know that there are holy moments set aside for you. And that he wants you to come and meet with him. And he wants to encounter you. And in that comes a shift and a change. Not only in you, but it shifts and changes other things as well. And Hannah had no idea that when she made that vow to the Lord, I'll give my son back to you. That in that moment, she would birth a child that would change a nation. She had no idea. Even when she said she'd give him back, she had no idea that. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm so excited. (laughs) See, when we come to God with who we are and all of our situations. And I look across the room and I know some of the situations you're facing. And I know some of the things you're longing to see. Some of them you have asked for for years. And God is saying this morning, there comes this moment when we are fully surrendered. And that's a tough thing to do. I give you my heart. I give you all of myself. But there... They're out of desperation. God wants us to lay down everything. And in that, he has the ability to move in powerful, incredible ways. It's interesting. As she's praying, the priest is watching. And he sees her lips moving, but no sound is coming up. And he thinks she's drunk. And he, and he comes and he says, you come into the sanctuary drunk. Throw away your wine. And she says in verse 15, Oh no, sir, I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I have been very discouraged. And I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. And then Eli very casually says, May the God of Israel grant you what you've asked for. And it's a fascinating thing because Hannah leaves totally changed, totally happy, and totally at peace. But nothing's changed in her life. But everything's changed. In one moment of holy revelation from God, everything shifted for Hannah. In reality, in actual reality, nothing had changed. Can you see that? It hadn't changed in the physical, 
but everything had changed in the spirit realm. So you see, when, ag- when we actually surrender ourselves to God and we lay ourselves down before the king of kings, it, it might not look like anything has changed. But I'm telling you that everything has changed in the realm of the spirit. So I want you to see some of the things that happen out of this shift and out of this change. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, it says, um, The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. And when Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. And actually, Samuel means the name of God. That's what Samuel means, the name of God. So when God met with, or when Hannah met with God, she vowed she'd give him back. How is she feeling about this? That's a pretty serious thing. You long for something so long, and that in that moment of gaining it, you release it. It would have been a pretty difficult thing for her to do. And that is holiness. Holiness is when we give up what we're wanting, what we're longing for, what we're dreaming about. And we fully surrender all of those things, the things we don't understand and the things we do understand. We surrender them all to him. And we say, be Lord of me. That's holiness. That's holiness. That's thinking and willing what he wants. But the results of that stepping into holiness, that pursuing holiness, that walking out holiness, costs. Costs. But the results are beyond one's imagination. You see, when Hannah asked for a child, she asked something for herself. But when she asked for it and returned what she asked for, she changed history. Such a huge thing. I want you to listen to a couple more verses about this child Hannah surrendered to the Lord. In 1 Samuel 2, 21, it says, The Lord blessed Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And meanwhile, this Samuel that she gave back to the Lord, look at what it says about him. He grew up in the presence of the Lord. This holy moment that happened at the altar, this boy grew up in the presence of the Lord. And then if you read verse 26 of chapter 2, it says that he grew taller and he grew in favor with the Lord and with people. So there's something you need to understand about this story. In this period of history, hearing from God was really rare. People didn't hear from God. And there was no revelation, no widespread revelation. But Hannah's answer became the nation's answer. And Samuel became a judge, a priest, a prophet, a counselor, God's man that changed the history of Israel. 
I could not begin to tell you just how significant Samuel is in the history of Israel. If you're really interested, if you want to know all that, that moment at the altar, that surrender, that holy moment it happened, what happened, read the book of 1 Samuel. And you'll see how God's hand was on Samuel and how much he used him. God took common, ordinary woman's longing and dreams and changed a nation. Look at 1 Samuel 3, 19 to 21. It says, so Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Bathsheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. And then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. I'm telling you, had Hannah not come to the altar, had she not poured herself out to him, to the king of kings and lord of lords, had she not fully surrendered, we wouldn't be reading this today. This is unbelievable how much transpired out of one person's choice to surrender their life to him fully. And this morning, I want you to know what makes something holy is when God touches it. And it becomes extraordinary. The common becomes uncommon. And um, God is wanting all of you. He wants you. He's wanting to shift things in your world and in this nation through you. And he, he's asking for all of you, not just a part of you. So in order to best show you what I'm talking about, God wanting all of you, I came across a video that John Bevere did. It's about two minutes. Would you watch it? I can't picture a more perfect woman. So, Emma Lily Thompson, will you marry me? Yes, 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 yes. yes. I have to see other guys on the side, but yes. Wait, what? What are the guys? What are you talking about? I'm a perfect woman. Just like you said, I'm going to have gourmet meals for us every single night. Our house is going to be perfect. Oh, it's going to be amazing, babe. And I mean, you don't really expect me to be a one-man and a woman anyway. Uh, no, that's actually like a, a big part of marriage. Like, you and me, together. Yeah, but I can't give up every guy. I mean, that's asking a little much, don't you think? A, a little A little I just asked you to marry me. If we're married, you can't see anyone else. That, that, no, that, that's wait, just not wait. your advocate. Okay, okay shh. It's okay. Listen to me. Listen to me. Look at me. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. You're right. I was wrong. I totally understand where you're coming from. This is our moment. And we're going to be so happy together. Every single day. Except once a week. What? Uh, once a week? Okay. <laughs> just simply once a week. Did you, did you not listen to Every other year? Said? No. On a what? leap year? N- no. Okay. Okay. I'm, I, 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 can't. I, I can't. Once a week on a leap year and you're going to freak out? 
Time up. We're, we're done. What? Babe, you were just asking me to marry you. Are you kidding me? Seriously? Maybe that seems outrageous. But it's what we do to God often. You can have everything except for. Holiness is absolute surrender to him. That is his heart. And that is what he's calling to you for this day. But in this holy moment... Everything can shift and change as you surrender. There's a song that kept playing in my head, and it's one that we've sang so often, and I thought, oh, man, I've sang that. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone will my spirit yield. Have you sang that? So um, this morning, Jim's going to play this. And I just feel like you, you have to respond to message like this. Like you have to say, okay, God. What she was talking about, that, that absolute surrender, that shift that comes because I give you everything, that's me. That's what I want. I want to walk in the fullness of the holiness of God. So as he plays it, I encourage you to come. You can sing along if you want to, whatever, but I encourage you to come to the altar this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Would you stand with me? Through the day, just let the words of this story permeate your heart. Allow God to speak to you and draw you to himself. Put your hand in your heart this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in his grace today. Walk in his spirit.